0: Hello and welcome to 360 United Way of Central Ohio's podcast. I'm your host, Kermit Whitfield, and we are here with part two of our discussion with Michael Wilkos, our Senior Vice President of Community Impact. Michael, thanks for coming back to see us. Thanks, Kermit. You ready to jump into part two? ready all right so we talked a little bit about in part one uh, we talked about our work in neighborhoods and specifically our pri- priority neighborhoods of Linden and South Side and also talked a little bit about the fact that you have a deep background in working in the Wyland Park neighborhood uh, where you are a resident uh, as a matter of fact so not only have you worked to make that neighborhood better, Uh, from the point of view of sitting at a lot of tables with other folks but from the point of view of actually on the ground every day working with your friends and neighbors to uh, to make change happen there it seems to me that both the work you've done there and the work that United Way is involved in now and there are a couple of themes here right one of them is what we call collective impact right trying to bring a lot of folks together around the table to develop some common goals and then work together to make that happen Tell us a little bit about uh, how you see Collective Impact, how United Way is approaching that and maybe some of the lessons that you learned from the Collective Impact efforts that both you and our CEO, Lisa Cordes, were involved in.
1: Sure, I'd love to do that. Um, I've been living in Wyland Park for 10 years now, uh, but 29 years ago... I moved into the street that I am currently living on. So in that nearly 30 years, I've seen incredible amount of change and a lot of Columbus neighborhoods.
0: So you moved there. You were there... My right. first, so a, my first apartment growing. as a
1: student, yeah, I grew up in suburban Youngstown, and my first apartment as a undergraduate student at Ohio State was on Ninth Avenue. And then 10 years ago, I uh, moved back on to 9th Avenue, which wow. is a different part of the street. Um, now living in a section of the street that 30 years ago I would not have chosen to live on mm-hmm. because it simply was just not a safe place. Uh, and I've had that perception and uh, experience of both being a resident and a grant maker in that work in Wyland Park. So let me, you know, put Walnut Park into context, and this would be true for lots of other uh, neighborhoods in our city. So the work in Wineland Park really started 23 years ago when the Ohio State University and the city of Columbus decided to work together to create change in that area, and Campus Partners was created. And a lot of the success that we've seen in, say, the last eight years um, was really rooted in thoughtful planning and coordination of, um, you know, two large public entities, local government and a university. And along the years, Ohio State... um, Uh, was very thoughtful in wanting to create a mixed income community because that was both a business case and a moral case to the university. Um, What is the right thing for an institution of higher learning to do for both students who live in that neighborhood, but also for the low-income families that are there? And so we're seeing a lot of anchor institutions like hospitals and universities across the country uh, invest in that model. We're certainly seeing that with the Healthy Families, Healthy Homes uh, collaborative that Nationwide Children's Hospital and United Way have been investing in on the south side for years. So let's talk about collective impact for a second. It takes an incredible amount of coordination and staff time because what we want to see happen are funders, nonprofits, and residents co-investigating the issues in a community and then designing solutions that are right for that neighborhood. So what might have been the right strategy in Wineland Park may or may not be transferable to the South Side or to Linden. There will be differences um, in how that gets. Implemented, but at the root of it, it's coordination and um, investigating what's right for that neighborhood,
0: which is really where United Way wants to be as sort of a sweet spot for us, and has been in the past, and and, and I think uh, perhaps even increasingly so as we move forward. This idea of collective impact, this idea of being an entity that's sitting around the table and and bringing people to the table Mm -hmm. right to talk about uh in a thoughtful way moving these neighborhoods forward and and i think one of the things that you pointed out and this is something that we've talked about that our our listeners will remember from our discussions with uh, ryan edwards who leads our uh, neighborhood work is this idea of authentic engagement with the residents that the residents have a voice a very important voice in anything that's going to happen in their neighborhood and to your point you know every neighborhood is going to be different so how do we make sure that any changes that happen are driven in large part by what the residents are telling us to do i mean that's a component right that i know you talk about and and have been a champion of for for many years now um so talk a little bit more about that that collective impact idea especially around the idea of as we move forward, you know, that role that United Way, that you would foresee United Way having there?
1: Uh Sure. Let me talk about kind of the commitment to resident engagement. Uh, I have been an advocate for asset-based community development for a long time, and simply at its core, it's about what gets done is what people care about. And too often uh, around the country, we've seen where folks want to make change in communities, uh, but they don't always spend the time to authentically and civically engage with residents to understand what they care about. Um, And that means also being flexible in your implementation. So at the At the end of the day, collective impact has some core basic tenets, Uh, stabilizing the most vulnerable families first, uh, leveraging uh, other resources, philanthropic resources, public resources and other dollars, Um, coordination of services, so you don't get duplication of services, but that you're designing services that are family focused, more so than agency focused and you're meeting the needs of the people and you're allowing there to be a voice at the table. Because of United Way's broad-based view of health and human services sector, We believe in that coordination, but that takes time. It takes staff time, it takes the power of convening, and there's like an administrative back office function to have that backbone infrastructure in place. So you have coordination on the service delivery side and you have authentic input from residents so that together you are working forward because if we don't build the capacity of residents, when the investment cycle comes to an end, as they just naturally do. Um, If you don't have residents engaged and participants and empowered at the end of that process, you won't see the long-term stabilization of those
0: investments. And as you point out with Myland Park, that was a 23 year, even to, to date, that's been a 23 year process. So it takes a while to do this right.
1: It does take a while. And I think there's also has to be an acknowledgement that the work really is never done. That there have been huge successes in Wyland Park the reduction in vacant abandoned housing, uh, the reduction of crime, and the increase of the feeling of security among the residents. We're starting to see Wyland Park Elementary School have um, huge increases in third grade proficiency scores. There are also challenges that remain. Um, there is a large collection of income-restricted housing in Wyland Park, and so if people successfully move up and out, meaning they move up the economic ladder, they become more stable, they may need to leave the housing that they're in because it comes with a subsidy they will then be replaced by another income restricted family that is dealing with some of those same challenges. So the goal in Wyland Park, and I think there's an interesting implicit bias that also happens in some of our low income communities in Columbus. um, We don't know what gentrification is, we don't know what low income neighborhoods are supposed to look like, but if we come into a community and we don't see vacant abandoned housing, uh, we don't see litter and graffiti, then we think that oh maybe that neighborhood is gentrified. And I think Wyland Park is a great example where uh, 90% 90% of the housing that was done over the last seven years um, served both homeowners and renters that came with an income restriction. The private sector market is now underway in Wyland Park. And there is both renovation and new build that has no subsidy at all, which is what we wanted to see as a community in Wyland Park and all of our neighborhoods. But you don't want to go into Linden or the South Side or Franklinton or Wyland Park and be able to tell. Where are the low-income people living, and where are the market-rate people living, and that's something that I think we are doing successfully in this city, because we have a number of high-quality um, nonprofit housing developers and housing managers.
0: So one of the hallmarks of United Way's work for many years now has been a, a truly holistic approach, right? And we talked in uh, part one of this podcast about all of the things that. Uh, people need you know they don't just need access to good healthy food they don't just need job training they don't just need uh, childcare care uh, for their kids you know they need all of these things together and that's the holistic approach that we've invested in um, with our funded partners over the years tell me a little bit about that and maybe use a co- couple of concrete examples of where you think the holistic approach is is working and sort of the philosophy behind that
1: Sure. I think that uh, one of the great successes of Wyland Park is that that implementation logic model was broad-based and holistic. So there was uh, an effort on education, employment, health, housing, uh, safety, resident engagement, and positive youth development. There is not one strategy that is going to stabilize or turn a neighborhood around. All of those things need to be worked on simultaneously, and that means there are going to be different investors in that work there are going to be multiple nonprofits in that work and that there are going to be um uh successes along the way some things are easier to see with the eye like you can see the reduction in vacant and abandoned housing you don't see the improvement in a high quality education pipeline for children a neighborhood that's just you don't see that kind right. of stuff um and so we as citizens uh Uh, will judge the success of a neighborhood based on some of those physical transformations. So when you look at Linden, which is a very important neighborhood to Columbus and has been struggling for a long time, but Linden is in a great position because it is close to downtown, it is adjacent to Easton, It's not too far from Polaris. It's close to the airport. It's really surrounded by a lot of anchors, right? But it's struggling for a variety of reasons. And what we've seen over the last year was the increase in violence in this community, um, particularly as it affects African-American males, right? And so United Way has chosen to invest in a Linden community plan, along with the city of Columbus and The Ohio State University, to really take uh, a look at what are the needs of residents of Linden and what does implementation look like. So there can be multiple investors, multiple nonprofits, residents engaged. So we are achieving a collective impact model. And that may mean that United Way is investing in the convening of all of those partners because we are one place where the business community and nonprofit experts and residents can kind of come together and a way for Nearly a century has been a place that convenes people around finding community solutions. When you look at the South Side, they are in many ways further ahead of London in that the success of REAP. Here you have a former elementary school that was sitting as a blighted property that now has about a dozen nonprofits that are providing um, holistic services. So Families and individuals on the South Side can come to a one stop shop that might be academic enrichment and social and emotional uh, development for youth, and it might be job training for adults, and it's early education, some of the core foundational principles of what United Way believes in. And most of those nonprofits that are in the Reeb Center are funded partners and service providers that have had a long history with United Way.
0: Yeah. And so helping to make those plans, those holistic plans, and helping to invest in that really seems to be a unique role that United Way has played and can play moving forward to, to your point of convening people um, around the table you know, for the future. So I look forward to seeing more of that and I hope you will come back and chat with us as uh, we get more involved. So you've only been on the job now for less than six months? Yeah, about four. About four months now. So you're just. Time flies when you're having fun. Just getting your feet wet. So hopefully you'll come back maybe six months or so and we can talk a little bit more about uh, the ongoing work.
1: I'm never shy about talking about the city I love.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us today, everybody who's tuned in to listen. We've been talking with uh, Michael Wilkos. Uh, And I am your host, Kermit Whitfield, and we will uh, hope to see you again in a future episode of 360, the United Way of Central Ohio podcast. Bye.
1: Thanks, Kermit.